And you're listening to Flashpoints on Pacifica Radio. My name is Dennis Bernstein. We broadcast every weekday from 5 to 6 from San Francisco over the Pacifica Radio Network. It is good to be with you today. Uh, we are going to be taking a look at the life and times of Stephen Dunziger, who decided as a Harvard graduate, instead of uh, uh, running for Senate, he went to Ecuador and he began to fight and represent legally the tribes that were being abused by, uh, among others, Chevron. Uh, and actually, he was quite successful. Uh, and in 2011, he won a settlement for some $9.5 billion. And uh, that's where sort of the the uh, second part of this story begins. Joining us now is Greg Palast. Uh, I don't know. Do we have Stephen Dunziker? Are you with us, Stephen, yet? Okay. All right. Uh, Greg, are you there? I am here. Is, am I sounding okay? Because I'm in a remote location at a demonstration uh, for Steve Donziger here in Los Angeles in front of a Chevron station. <laughs> Does it sound okay to you? It sounds fine. And today is a, a, a day of protest all over the country. Maybe you can just give us a thumbnail sketch of the case, which you picked up early on uh, for the BBC. We'll see if we can uh, track uh, Stephen down. Go on. Okay. All right. Now here's the story. Um, in uh, 2007, I was in the Amazon rainforest in Ecuador with uh, Chief Emergildo Criollo. And uh, he had, I would join him as he walked into a courtroom. There's a little building in the middle of the, of the jungle where he filed a suit against Chevron Corporation. Why? His three-year-old son had gone swimming in a swimming hole in, in the rainforest uh, near the Amazon River. Shiny, nice water. Went in. Unfortunately, the shine was hydrocarbon. The kid came out vomiting blood and died in his dad's arm. Then his older son died of leukemia, which is rampant in the area where Chevron's Texaco unit was dumping its sludge. So he filed a lawsuit while all the guys in the courtroom were laughing at this Indio uh, trying to take on Chevron Corporation. Four years later, they stopped laughing when Chief Criollo and um, other indigenous plaintiffs won $9.5 billion from, a, uh, from an Ecuadorian court against Chevron, demanding that Chevron pay the chief for his losses, but also clean up the rainforest filled with sludge. I was down there reporting for BBC Television and Democracy Now!, and, um, you know, I'd stick, a, stick into, into the water and come up with dripping sludge, poisonous, murderous sludge. Now, what was Chief Criollo's secret weapon? His name was Stephen Donziger. He graduated Harvard Law School with uh, Barack Obama, but instead of cashing in, he decided to spend his entire life, give up everything. And I mean, he really gave up every dime of income to do nothing but help the COFAN uh, and other indigenous people of the rainforest go after Chevron, get them to clean up their act, literally clean it up, and pay compensation. He won that case, and Chevron, that was 10 years ago. Chevron hasn't paid a single dime, but what they have done is they've used, are you ready for this? 2,000 lawyers from 60 law firms to hunt down and try to destroy Stephen Donziger. And the way that they did it, they went to they hunted around one U.S. court after another until they found an ultra right judge, 
a guy named Lewis Kaplan in New York who had been a tobacco industry lawyer. He'd even done work for Chevron. He shouldn't have been on this case. He, he issued a ruling that Steve Donziger, this human rights lawyer, this pro bono lawyer, that this lawyer was in contempt of court because he ordered Donziger to hand Chevron uh, Donziger's cell phone and computers so they could see who were the whistleblowers in their corporation, who they could see the, the names of the natives who were, who were uh, going after them. You know, you have to understand, in Latin America, you hand out those names, the next, the next knock on your door is from a death squad. He couldn't hand over those names. No lawyer in their right mind would, especially in that situation. So they found him in contempt of court, and the judge not only said it's contempt of court, you know, if you remember in the Chicago 7 trial, William Kunstler was um, found in contempt of court 42 times in a single case. Well, Donziger, they made it criminal contempt, this judge, and he demanded the federal government prosecute Donziger, and they didn't. You Believe it or not, the Trump Justice Department said, this is a joke, isn't it? We're not going to prosecute this lawyer. Because the Justice Department wouldn't prosecute Donziger, are you ready for this, Dennis? This has never happened in American history. The judge appointed his own prosecutor, and who was the prosecutors that he appointed? He appointed Chevron's own lawyers. I can't make this up, Dennis. He appointed Chevron's own lawyers to be the prosecutors to put Donziger in prison. Now, okay, that, that's Donziger, where I've got it. That's where I got to stop you, Greg, because that's okay. the part of this story that I stumble over. I don't understand. <laughs> That leap there. The what are you saying? This judge put lawyers who represent uh, uh, the yep. Chevron to. He literally to, appointed uh, them to prosecute to literally do a criminal prosecution. So a judge appoints private attorneys to do a criminal prosecution of the lawyer that they are fighting in the case. It's Chevron's lawyers who are, who literally were acting as privateer prosecutors, freelance prosecutors. I, I can't make this up. And you have to understand, it shocks me, because as, as many people know, before as an investigative reporter, I was an investigator that did two, three decades of litigation in big cases. I've never seen this in my career. I can't find a single attorney. In U.S. history, we have never had a private corporation ask to prosecute someone on a criminal charge, and especially the guys that he's fighting. I mean, it's completely, I mean, I understand why you're confused, because everyone's confused. There is no legal scholar in America. We have 60 Nobel laureates complaining about this. We have senators, congresspeople, from AOC to Senator Markey, uh, Congressman uh, McGovern. We have attorneys general uh, from several states saying this is insane. We have the Justice Department. I want to add Trump's Justice Department, who also said this is not so. But it hasn't stopped. And it's even worse. They had a trial. They, they after holding um, Donziger in house arrest for two years, and you have to understand, even if this crazy charge was legitimate, this it's a misdemeanor charge, you know, and you can only get 90 days in prison for it. He's actually been in prison for two years awaiting for trial. Now, you don't imprison someone before a conviction while they're awaiting trial. Unless they're so he's, at, he's under house case. arrest at home? He's under house yeah. arrest at home with a right with now, an, an ankle bracelet? or he, he, He's wearing an ankle bracelet. 
He's been locked in his house for two years, <laughs> awaiting for this. And, he, you know, if he gets convicted, it's 90 days. But but wait, but the judge, that's 90 days ain't enough for the judge. So the judge held an, a trial of Donziger. And Donziger, of course, asked for a, for a jury. You know, I think you've read the Constitution. It says something about a jury. That's called the Fifth Amendment. You get a right to a jury of your peers. No way. Uh, he said no jury. Believe it or not, he denied him a jury trial. And the judge listened to the court case while he's doing crossword puzzles. I kid you not. And he wouldn't allow Donziger to put up witnesses from Ecuador. Instead, he only had Chevron lawyers as witnesses against Donziger being asked questions by the prosecutors who were other Chevron lawyers. I can't make this up. Listening to it by a judge who was a Chevron lawyer. I mean... (laughs) Chevron, I can't look. If I, you know what, this is so insane, Dennis. That that it's I, I've run many, been in many cases in courtrooms and covered them as a journalist. No one can show me a single case in American history. No jury trial. Uh, Chevron, an oil company prosecuting it's the guy who's going after them. It is it's miscarriage of justice upon miscarriage of justice. And here's the deal. After this crazy Chevron kangaroo court, the judge sentence has now uh, apparently going to pass sentence on October 1 on Donziger. He's indicated he's going to throw him in the slammer for six months. No jury trial. This is crazy. Basically, Chevron is putting their human rights lawyer opposing them in prison for six months. Um, It's. It's just beyond imagination. And the the nine point five billion dollar settlement? That's just uh, it wasn't a, a null and void now. Judgment. No it's judgment. Not. It's it's live, just so you know. It was affirmed in Ecuador. And by the way, just so you know, the Donziger had brought the case in America in, in New York. And um Chevron ran into the courtroom and said, No, it, this case has got to be in Ecuador because and here's fourteen professors who signed a statement saying that Ecuador has honest courts that are uncorruptible that will come to a good decision and therefore the case should be heard in Ecuador. So that the you know it took four years of trial, hundreds of thousands of pages of documents, and a judge said, ruled, that there's absolute stone cold evidence that uh, Chevron's Texaco unit dumped sixteen billion gallons of sludge into the rainforest in Ecuador that it directly poisoned uh, thousands of people. Many died. There's a hot spot of horrid leukemia uh, that's rampant uh, next to those oil pits. By the way, if you dump, if you simply dump oil sludge into an open pit in the United States, you would go to prison. If Chevron tried this, remember the Chevron refinery is in Richmond, right near you, Dennis. If they tried that in the Bay Area, can you imagine if in Berkeley you had Sludge, open sludge pits, which Chevron's just dumping their Richmond refinery crud into, you know, on Telegraph Avenue. That's what it's like. I was there, Dennis. I was there. I can tell you that's exactly All right. Let let me jump in here because... Let me jump in. I'm sorry, Greg. Uh, we got some good yeah. news. We actually managed to okay. uh, make a connection with Stephen Dunziger, and I'm really right. anxious uh, to get you on the air, Mr. Dunziger. Welcome to Flashpoints on Pacifica Radio. How are you doing today? Great. Thank you for having me. 
Well, it's good to have you with us. Let, let, let me just ask you a few. We've been talking about it with Greg, uh, and we got some good background down. But let, let me sort of uh, travel back a little bit here. Could you talk a little bit about the legal work you were doing in Ecuador that led you to this uh, successful $9.5 billion lawsuit? Uh, tell, tell us about what you were doing then. What was the work like? Well, well, thank you, and thank you, Greg. Good to, good to hear. I, I heard, caught the tail end of that. You really know the case so well. Um, that's really awesome. Um, so, you know, I, I went first went to Ecuador in 1993 with a team of lawyers, and, you know, what we saw was an apocalyptic nightmare of sort of like Greg was describing. I mean, we literally saw lakes of oil sludge on the floor of the jungle, you know, hundreds and hundreds of these open-air toxic waste pits, that uh, Chevron had gouged out of the floor of the jungle and they had run pipes from the pits into the rivers and streams that people were relying on for drinking water. Um, total disregard for human life, disregard for the environment. Um, you know, I think it's really the very definition of ecocide, which is going to be a new atrocity crime, you know, which involves a private company, you know, making deliberate decisions that end up destroying the conditions necessary to sustain human life. And that's what they did. You know, even, even to this day, you have thousands of people who multiple times each day are exposed to cancer-causing toxins in the water. They drink the food they eat, the air they breathe. My work involved investigating this with other lawyers and filing a lawsuit first in the United States. Chevron wanted it in Ecuador. This was like a the first 10 years of the case is fighting over trying to get into a U.S. court. Um, Chevron got it dismissed down to Ecuador, praising Ecuador's court system, as Greg pointed out. So we, we, um, we sort of redid the case under Ecuadorian law in 2001 and worked with a fabulous team of Ecuadorian lawyers. Um, we were then in an advisory role, the American lawyers, um, and over an eight-year period where Chevron's lawyers tried to sabotage, delay, and obstruct the case every step of the way, we ended up winning this judgment based on really voluminous scientific evidence, 64,000 chemical sampling results from both parties that proved there were just massive levels of toxic contamination, cancer-causing contamination at hundreds of oil production sites that, that Texaco, now Chevron, had operated for a period of 25 years. It's the worst oil disaster in the world. It, one of the critical facts is it's not an accident. It's, it's a deliberately designed pollution event where um, Texaco decided to do it this way, essentially play God to the people of Ecuador in order to save two or three dollars a barrel of oil produced. The net result today, you know, 50 years after this started, is you have the world's worst oil disaster. You have thousands of people dead or dying from exposures. You have virtually no medical care. You have indigenous groups decimated on the way to extinction because the forest now poisoned by these deliberate acts of destruction can no longer sustain the culture. You know, so it's a disaster from every angle. Um, Chevron has yet to pay a single dollar to fix it. Having lost the court case, instead of complying with the rule of law and paying the judgment, they've hired dozens of law firms, used 2,000 lawyers to attack me and other lawyers, really as a way, I think, primarily to distract attention from their own mass industrial poisoning. 
um, to also to evade paying the money to the people they poisoned in Ecuador. And finally, to sort of use me as a way to try to intimidate other human rights lawyers and environmental defenders from, from doing this work. You know, we, we broadcast from the Bay Area, and they're also poisoning people in the Bay Area and Richmond and uh, other places like that. But I want to um, say a, a, a little bit more. You're, you're under house arrest now? Yeah, so uh, so I imagine that I imagine that was a bit of retaliation, and but I imagine that other folks, indigenous people on the ground, while you may be under house arrest, they're either in hiding or in their graves for protesting these kinds of issues, wouldn't you say? Well, yeah. I mean, a lot of people have died from exposures to the toxins. Um, you know, I, I. But what about and whistleblowers have not been welcome, right? Indigenous. This is not a safe. Of course, of course. I mean, I mean, look, yeah. look. There's there's 200 environmental defenders assassinated, murdered around the world every year. So you know, I look. I'm part of the group of environmental defenders under attack. I mean, you know, in the United States. Generally, it's difficult for a corporation to just flat out assassinate their opponent. But, you know, what Chevron has done to me is figure out a way to use or abuse and manipulate the law to accomplish, you know, or try to accomplish my cancellation as a lawyer. And the way they've done that, I mean, they, they concocted this scheme where they tried to get me to pay them their legal fees for attacking me in U.S. courts. Uh, I have no money. I mean, I'm a human rights lawyer. They they got an order to, that I should pay them millions of dollars, and I couldn't pay it. They wiped out my life savings and demanded to see my computer on the theory that I was hiding money in bank accounts. But what they really wanted was access wow. to all my information and my communications with my clients and other attorneys. And no lawyer in, in U.S. history has ever been ordered to turn over his computer to his adversary in the middle of a civil litigation like that. So I appealed it. And the judge, Judge Kaplan, who is you know, a former tobacco industry defense lawyer, he's totally on Chevron's side. Um, he charged me with criminal contempt of court for appealing um, his own civil discovery order. I appealed it. I wasn't disobeying it. I told him I needed to appeal it because it... You know, it, I believe the order was and has been proven to be illegal. But he then used that charge, which was rejected by the federal prosecutor. You know, remember, the judge charged me, not the normal prosecutor. Um, when the normal prosecutor refused to prosecute Kaplan's charges, Judge Kaplan's charges, Kaplan didn't stop. He appointed a private law firm to prosecute me while hiding the fact that this private law firm had had Chevron as a client and that deep financial ties to the oil and gas industry. So essentially I'm being prosecuted criminally and deprived of my liberty by Chevron. This is the first corporate prosecution in U.S. history in my, in, based on the research we've conducted. And it's scary. And you're, I mean, and you're wearing an ankle bracelet now? I have an ankle bracelet 24-7. I sleep with it. I eat with it. I bathe with it. Um, it's on my ankle. It's it chafes. It's like the size of a garage door opener. It's somewhat heavy, and I have to get into bed with it. It blinks. It talks to me when the battery goes low. It wakes me up, me and my wife. Um, it's, it's just a... You talk about Kafka S. This is... This is... This does Kafka one better. 
Um, yes, so, so this is Kafka. You have been neutralized uh, by Chevron uh, with 2,000 lawyers, and obviously you're making the point, as Greg has, uh, that they have a lot uh, to hide, and so they're willing, I guess they, a part of their budget is meant to spend on dealing with people like you uh, in various ways, however they can do it. You, they tied up legally, others they kill. Um, it is, it's troubling that they would take your files and, th that I mean, is there not... So there's no, I mean, this happens under the eye of the U.S. jurisprudence system. You've got a Democrat in there now. They love, they're not Donald Trump. Any sympathy in Washington? Hello? Did you, I'm sorry, was there a question there? Yeah, is there, is there, do you have, is, what kind of support do you have coming out of Washington? There's a new administration, they're progressive, well, they've got some interesting, yeah. yeah, go on. So, so a couple of things. First of all, this is not just happening under the eye of the U.S. judiciary. There are two federal judges actively working with Chevron's lawyers to destroy me. I want to be very clear about that. I believe they're abusing their power. You know, so I want to be clear about that. Their names are yes, really happening at a and let me be clear, I'm a rule of law guy. Like, I'm not condemning the whole U.S. judiciary. You know, most okay. judges, even the right-wing judges, tend to try to follow the law when they rule in cases. These judges figure out what they want to do beforehand. They don't really listen to the facts, and they just try to engineer a result, which is why I've been denied a jury of my peers in this trial that was overruled by Judge, uh, overseen by Judge Preska, the same judge who had locked me up for two years was then ruling on my guilt or innocence. I mean, it's just it's just a complete ridiculous show trial, and I'm going to appeal it. Uh, she convicted me of this of contempt, wouldn't let me testify on my behalf um, and explain myself. And you know, so we have made a concerted effort to get the Biden administration, Merrick Garland, to stop this prosecution. You can't have private corporate prosecution in a rule of law country. There's no provision for it. And this should be embarrassing to Joe Biden and Merrick Garland. But Merrick Garland has done nothing. We got six congresspersons, including AOC, um, Corey Bush, Jamal Bowman, Rashida Tlaib, and signed a letter demanding a review of my case. We ignored it. Um, two senators, Ed Markey and Sheldon Whitehouse, both of whom I greatly admire, um, have written a letter demanding answers that came just about 10 days ago. But, like, the entire New York delegation where I live, I mean, my representative is Gary Hester, totally ignored this. His son works for a Stephon law firm, Gibson Dunn. Um, my senators, Schumer and Gillibrand, I've approached both of them. They've done nothing. And people are fundamentally, in my view, you know, like of big money, corporations, and the industry. Some degree, but for whatever the reason, they refuse to help me. Even though senators and congresspersons from other jurisdictions are helping, but we need we need more action in Washington. We can't become a country that locks up its human rights lawyers. I mean, that's that's not you know that's not even a conservative vision for the United States, much less a moderate or progressive one. 
we cannot lock up our human rights lawyers, except the frontline lawyers who do the hard work, you know, like I've done for 28 years. This is hard work. I went there 250 times. You know, we won the case. We're holding a major polluter accountable. That helps save lives. It helps save cultures. It helps save the planet. You know, it, it creates the it realigns incentives so these big oil companies don't go to the ecosystem and just pollute thinking they can get away with it. So why am I the one locked up and not Chevron? It's, it's outrageous. It's amazing. Greg, are you, you, do you have final comments you want yes. to jump in here? Yes. Well, also, shame on the U.S. media. As you know, I put the story about the poisoning in the rainforest. I went down there, and, and I put this at the top of the BBC Nightly News, and thanks to Pacifica, we put it on, on Democracy Now! as well. But this is, this is worldwide news outside of the U.S. mainstream. And I have to tell you, I contacted PBS. Uh, but you know what? The power, the, the, um, uh, the uh, news hour of PBS had on top of it, when I'm calling them, I'm looking at their website, and what's on top? It's not the PBS logo. It was the Chevron logo. They were the corporate number one corporate sponsor of the PBS NewsHour. And when I said, well, is this influencing your, your silence on the issue? Their answer was to simply remove Chevron's logo. But, but they also silenced Steve Donziger and the victims from Ecuador. You have to understand, then they went after me, by the way. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, compared to what Steve's gone through, in my case, is nothing. I ended up with a one-year trial under British law. That I that I'd issued a um, a biased report against Chevron. All I did was show the documents that said that they were destroying evidence in the case, and uh, they didn't like that. I won that case. I saved my job at BBC. But you know this, uh, you know they throw bodies out on the tarmac. Whether it's Steve Donziger to stop other lawyers and human rights lawyers from from defending uh, environmental victims, or they go after journalists like Greg Palace or others. Um, and, uh, you know, look, if I were in Latin America, I'd probably have a bullet in my head. I've seen this. And I've seen, by the way, it's not just in Ecuador that Chevron has been playing these games and silencing, uh, and silencing the lawyers and the journalists and the victims. It's not just Ecuador. That's really important. And, Dennis, I can't thank you enough for giving this story prominence and bringing Steve on from his imprisonment. And let's not forget October one. He's facing a sentence where they put him. They can put him behind the hard steel doors, and we have. It, to it is. It is beyond. It's beyond belief. I, and I, Stephen Donziger. I mean, we we will continue to cover the story. It is extraordinary, and I can't. It's it's hard for me to imagine you wearing a you know a ankle brace for being a human rights. This is this is really. A story that needs to be told again and again because it's going to get worse before it gets better. Uh, yeah, fi- St- Stephen Donziger, what do you? How do people get in touch and follow up yeah. if they want to learn more, do more, act more? If people so want what's to the learn best way? more. Help. Please go to the Donziger Defense website. Uh, Donziger is D O N Z I G E R Defense, all one word. dot com. Donzigerdefense. dot com. And on that website are a lot of articles. Um, you can donate to our defense fund. I, I need to emphasize that. I know a lot of people are hurting these days, but if you can give a little, we really appreciate it. We have our legal expenses are crazy dealing with this monster company. Um, and then also 
just sign up for our campaign um, where you will get regular case updates and, and that kind of thing. And we built an email list now of 25,000 people around the world. And it's really amazing because we can you know, use that to lobby Congress or to write letters. Please sign up. You know, the only way I'm going to get out of this and we're going to force Chevron to clean up Ecuador is through mass public pressure. And that's what we're attempting to do here. They want to lock me up then people are going to pay attention and we're going to leverage that into um, a movement. That's at least our goal. All I right. think we're well on the way to doing okay. that. All right. Thank you both very much. We'd smack against the clock. Greg Pallison, of yeah. course, uh, right. Attorney Stephen Dunziger, we wish you the best. Stay in touch. You are listening to Flashpoints on Pacifica Radio.